Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of ABCL Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Andonisio, Tom Bradley, and Mark Lemeny here after a vacation week. Tommy and I were in the Ocean Cities, one in Maryland, one in New Jersey. I was working. Michael was working, putting the time in there. And I was Tommy and I are nice and tan. And I was in a city that allowed alcohol, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in Ocean City, New Jersey. I actually got, there's a store there now that talks about, Ocean City is Dry Island, New Jersey. And the name of the store is Dry Island. So I got a cool little, that was my souvenir from the trip, a little Dry Island t-shirt. Yeah. So how was your week? Was it good? Everything? It was excellent, man. Weather was great. It really was nice. Yeah, it's we nice lucked to out. Spend time with family and uh, sometimes get, a, get away. Yeah, well, get away and unplug for a little bit. So yeah, it was nice. Good, good. And we're back at it this week. Lots to talk about. We're going to start out today with the news of the day. We're recording Wednesday night, uh, July fourteenth. Penguins first day of free agency. Leading up to it, Tommy, you had your scenarios that we talked about in previous podcasts, scenario A and B, if the big if they re-signed the big three, Rust, Latang, Malkin, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they followed plan A, which was we laid out two specific plans where they re-signed uh, Malkin and Latang, and, uh, and then we also had if they didn't. Um, I was in the camp of that I thought they needed to uh, refresh, that I thought it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, However, though, looking back on what Hextall did and, you know, GM Hextall is he's polar opposite of what we were used to with Rutherford. Rutherford yeah. was, you know, I mean, if Rutherford had, you know, uh, Cheerios for breakfast, we knew it. Yeah. You know, he didn't hold He was very transparent. Back. Yes. Yeah, everything he thought was, was out in the open. And Hextall, you just didn't know what his plan was going to be, if he had a plan, what the plan was going to be. Um, but I have to give him credit. I mean, you know, I, I thought it was time to refresh, but the way that these deals have come in, the numbers that they've come in, um, I much mean, lower than market value. They definitely got the hometown discount from yeah, all three I mean, guys. When you look at, you know, if you look at, you know, Crosby, if you well, if you take in, you take out Crosby, but if you have Malcolm Latang, Rust, and Raquel, you know, they re-signed. Um, they re-signed all those guys for less than what they made in the previous contracts as a total combined unit of almost $2 million. I mean, that's just unheard of in this in this day and age in the salary cap. And um, so, you know, with what they got done, how they got it done and stuff like that, I have to say that for the plan that he edged out, I mean, he couldn't have executed it really any better. Um, there's still obviously some pieces that have to be done. Um, in free agency today, they signed a lot of depth guys, but the one piece that they signed was Jan Ruda, who was a key part of Tampa Bay's uh, last three Stanley Cup runs. Um, so while he's not making a lot, and I've seen some people poo-poo his, his signing a little bit, I mean, he's a top six defenseman. He might be top four. He played with, he skated with Victor Hedman um, in Tampa on their number one pair most of the time. I mean, that, that's, that's a guy that comes with some pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, for a defense that has, by my count now, nine mm-hmm. NHL defensemen, um, they just re-signed P.O. Joseph to yeah. an NHL-only deal. Most times, um, you know, most teams play with six defensemen, so that means they're three over. They're looking at three healthy scratches right now. Um, clearly, there's going to be more moves to be made. Um, what those are, I just clearly do not know. Uh, some of the guys that I had targeted to get this team a little bit a little bit thicker, a little bit tougher, and things like sand, that. Add a little sandpaper to the lineup. Have unfortunately not only not signed with us, but have signed with division rivals. You know, Philadelphia. <laughs> if somebody could say to me, "Hey, can you explain the Philadelphia Flyers organization in one scenario?" This is how I would do it. Last yesterday or the day before, they waived Oscar Lindblom, mm-hmm. who is their cancer surviving kid. Right. He had a tough battle, very rare cancer, battled back. Um, they celebrated his return. Uh, they are up against the cap, so they cut him to save $3 million. And with that $3 million, they went out and signed a goon, uh, basically mm-hmm. Nicholas Delorier, who's mm-hmm. a guy who I advocated for the Penguins to sign. Um, but so they cut basically a cancer guy, right, yeah, a right. survivor, and then they went out and signed somebody that is a fourth line, you know, mm-hmm. sort of knucklehead. Um, but that's just the Flyers organization. <laughs> and one that's in a nutshell. That's and it. That was their yeah. big free agent. A team that stinks, they have no salary cap room. Right. They cut somebody and they sign a fourth line guy. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you though. I, I think what this signals and the direction they decide they decided to go in. 
at least to me, it says they they look at the past three or four playoff exits as bad luck, right? The injuries really bit them. If they had a competent goalie, they would have advanced, and then who knows what happens then. I think to me, anyway, that's what, that's what they're thinking, that they these guys back in the fold, you have Jari, and they re-signed to Smith. That's what they're saying. Like, if they would have had a goalie, if, if Jari was in net against the Islanders, or if Troop was not headhunting, well, you know how many that teams goon. Would say what if? I right. mean, if true, but I'm just saying. Word in the I, yeah. English but I think that's what they're late. thinking. I think that's well, what they were thinking and, going and, into this. And I, I don't think there's any any doubt that that's the the sentiment, and that's what they talked about right after all this stuff happened. And they've lost five series in a row. And if you look at all five, they lost to the Capitals in the second round, who eventually went on to win the Stanley Cup after they won two in a row. So they had played, you know, this was the begin. This was the middle of their third long playoff run. Mm-hmm. They're tired, all that stuff. Okay, you can live with that. 19, they get blown out by the Islanders. Right. That was just a, a mess of a series. But the other three in a row now, the bubble against Montreal, which mm-hmm. was the bubble. They didn't play hockey for three months. Most people look at that as kind of a joke playoff. Okay, that happens. The next year, Jari loses his mind. is awful. Mm-hmm. And then this year, we know the, the injuries of the goalies. If you take any one of those scenarios by itself, okay, it's plausible mm-hmm. What happened? The problem is when you stack them all in a row like that, it's, okay, well, yes, they're all plausible excuses, but when you pile them all together, okay, at some point this is enough of right. what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, my problem with this is is that, okay, if they're going to keep the core top two lines together, which is what's going to happen, yeah. and they're going to keep what appears to be the top two defensemen, and you're going to bring back the, the, the same goaltenders, then you really have to mix up the bottom, the rest of the thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the – Bring it back the same coach, too, who coaches yeah, the same right, way and right. never changes anything. So right. nothing has changed. I don't think that the core necessarily is the problem. I think that the underlying te- – the guys, the third or fourth right, line, the, fringe the third roster. pair of defensemen mm-hmm. are the ones that have really been a problem. But when you have guys that are stars that are making a ton of money, those guys are just not going to be stars on top of it. Um, and there's no way to there's no way to sugarcoat that Crosby, Latang, Malkin, uh, Carter are all in their mid to upper thirties. I mean, we keep looking at Gensel as the kid. Mm-hmm. Gensel's twenty seven. Right, he's no young buck I mean, anymore. Russ right. is twenty nine. Raquel's thirty. I mean, nobody gets better with age. No, no. nobody. No, and, and right. that's one thing I don't understand is they won the cup because of the injection of youth. Those two, there's no doubt about it. But that, I mean, those those guys. Do your, that's your point. That, that exactly. They what had you were youth saying. to ingest. Yes. Yeah. And that's the problem is there is no youth. I mean, P.O. Joseph, I think, is going to get a sweater and be a well, part of this. Well, they could have, right? I mean, they, see, that's the thing. That's where I struggle with this whole thing. They could have let Malkin walk, and you, you sign somebody who's 25, 26 on their second contract. And well, and how so, old's Trocheck? He's 29. He's younger. He's six so, years younger than Malkin. So Malkin's 35. Yeah. He signed for, what, four years? Yeah. He'll be 39. Right. At the end of that contract, he's going to be garbage. Yeah. Well, they all, I mean, except for Sid. I mean, Sid's a whole other league. But the rest when, of these guys, that's what's going to happen. When we did our A and B scenario, signing the, the people that we already had and the new ones, part of my process of building the, the team that I would have done, which included, which, which, have been, which have, would have included Trocek as my number two center, is is if you're going to keep the coach and you're going to keep this system, then at some point you have to stop collecting hockey cards and you have to build a team. And Trocek, as a player, one for one with Malkin is not equal. Right. But However, Trocek fits this system better than Malkin and that's does. What it's about. Yeah. And that's what you have to stop at some point doing. And I understand that Crosby got involved in this, that Crosby wanted guys back. But again, those are dangerous, dangerous slopes. Mm-hmm. You know, see L.A. Lakers for one. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, I mean, they, they this is what Le- it reminds me of. They yeah. brought LeBron James over, and they said, okay, LeBron, who do you want to play right. with you? Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, right. all great players at one time. Tom, it, do you think that the Penguins did this to put butts in the seats? Because this is what this city loves nostalgia, right? For, you know what it, that my analogy driving here was? I'm trying to think, well, yeah, these, these guys get to end their career here, but are they going to win it? That would be like, what's your favorite group, you two? Yeah. Now, if you went to see them in 1992. They were phenomenal. You see you them now, very different. They're still good. 
But they're, they're not, not what, like they right, were in 92. No, that's no, the, right. Your favorite band isn't what they were right. 25 years ago, and that's what this reminds well, me of. Yeah, speaking of that, they got the band back together. And Tommy, like you just said, this band hasn't produced any hits for five years. Yeah, and and that's why, you know, when we started talking about this offseason, I said how important this was in franchise history for a lot of reasons and why there is no amount of money in the world that I'd want to be hexed off. Because what he did was he appeased the fans – he appeased his stars that were still here. Mm-hmm. He probably appeased ownership. But to as Michael's a, point about butts in the seat. But as a general manager, is this team good enough to win the Stanley Cup? And I don't see no. it. But at the same time, if they beat the Rangers, which they should have, the Rangers made the Eastern Conference right. Finals and made it to Game 7. And the Penguins played Tampa two or three times this year and owned them. So I don't. It's 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 one of the most perplexing, fascinating situations I've ever seen. Where you just I, I just don't know. I don't have a firm opinion on what is the right way to do. Right. If it were me, I would have yet would have gone younger and tried to refresh in this group. But for what they signed for, what they have, and the other perks of filling the seats, like you said, mm-hmm. continuing to make money as a franchise, which they need to do. And keeping you know Sidney Crosby happy on some level, uh, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue that what his plan was hasn't been mm-hmm. carried out. No, he executed. You're right. I mean, he executed that plan, not the plan that we would have done, but that his plan. Oh, he got he executed it very well. And to go to it, and I know we're going to talk about the Pirates, but go to a baseball reference. It was you know we talked about the difference between Huntington and Charrington. Mm-hmm. Whether Charrington's plan works out well enough or not, there was a plan, and you could see it. Hextall's, my problem with Hextall was for a year and a half he was here and I didn't know what the hell he was about. So now it's very clear what his plan was. Mm-hmm. He's executed it uh, about as be- about as well as you could possibly do it. Mm-hmm. And it's also not done. It's July 13th. There's going to be more signings. There's going to be more trades. And they have to trade some of those defensemen. And, and, and as Michael to. will famously tell you, hockey every hockey season is three years long. So there will be plenty of moves. This is not the team today. That will date. Well, that will play step one of the playoffs. But the thing that they have done is, in my opinion, they have assured with what they brought back. They will make the playoffs, right? And they will get a chance to do this all again. And we'll see mm-hmm. what it looks like at that point. So, Tom, if you brought these guys back, you brought Latang back, you brought Malcolm back, you brought Russ, Russ back, yep. okay? The you, Smith, the Smith, Raquel. okay. Yeah, brought Raquel back, but the the core guys, the you know, Latang, obviously Crosby and, mm-hmm. and Malcolm, Malcolm. yeah. Going into next year, uh, how many games did Malkin play last year? Like, well, he was coming off ACL surgery, so he only played half the season. Well, you got to think every year that they get older, the risk of injury is going to increase. So, as we know, as three old dudes, we're saying those three guys are the guys that carry them to the playoffs. Well, if the guys around them, the the supporting cast isn't better, and these guys get injured, how can you say that they're going to be better next year than they were this year? It's the same team. Well, and ironically ironically enough, in my opinion, looking at things, yes, the heavy lifting, the news that's going to grab the headlines has been done, signing Malkin, signing Latang, Ross Raquel. But to me, the difference between them winning in the first round and losing in the first round is going to be in the next moves because – they're gonna they're gonna clear out some defensemen. They're gonna reshape. The, they're looking at, in my opinion, Pio Joseph and, Ra, and and Ruda are gonna be two of the six defensemen that dress mm-hmm. on opening night. So they've changed, you know, one third of their defensive core already. Who goes out of that out of the remaining mm-hmm. group? Who stays? And then what they do with that money to get a little bit a tougherness toughness, a little bit more sandpaper. Again, not goons, not guys that are going to are going to drop the gloves mm-hmm. and fight and play a minute and a half a game, but guys that just play with an edge, Matt Cook types, mm-hmm. uh, Ian Cole defenseman type, things like that that are just you just notice them. Chris Kunitz was mm-hmm. always a, was a was a guy that was never thought of as a quote unquote goon, but he had led the team in hits a lot mm-hmm. of years. Um, those are going to be the moves to me that will separate whether this is a first round failure or a first round success next year. No, I think that's very valid, and and time will tell. I mean, I, as you said, he executed his plan well. The question is, was it the right plan? Exactly. And, and, and yeah, we'll see. Time will tell on that. The other big news this week, of course, naming rights, formerly this this the formerly known as Heinz Field, now 
Acrisure Stadium. So I'll kick us off with this because in a former life, I was the head of sponsorships at PNC. So I have a little inside baseball when it comes to this whole thing and how it went down and cost and so I'm and many thoughts. I'm all over the place actually. Um, I knew before I left PNC that Heinz was out, that they weren't going to re-up. Uh, at the time, PNC was renegotiating with the Pirates for PNC Park. Uh, the Steelers came across the radar, and, and, and we thought at PNC at the time that that's going to be something that we're going to have to investigate. Uh, ultimately, we, we know what happened now. Uh, PNC re-upped with the Pirates, and now Acrisure, uh, an online insurance company out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, that supposedly has 100 employees here in Pittsburgh, uh, is now the naming rights sponsor. And Michael, you, you and I talked about it. You have a take on it. But here's what bothers me about the whole thing. And as you both know, I'm not a fan of Art Rooney II. Um, he does certainly does some things right. Uh, I don't know him personally. This is not meant to attack him personally. This is about him as the third generation owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They always say in family businesses, the third generation is the one that, st- that destroys it or starts to destroy it. I think that's what he's done. I think he sold his soul for around $10 million a year, and that's probably what he, what they got um, to sign this deal. I know some people said, you know, pressure from Thomas Tall, one of the minority owners in the Steelers, to do this deal because Akershore brought out, bought out one of Tall's companies several years ago for several hundred million dollars. Um I think it's an absolute joke. Um, th- these supposedly are the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the best you can do is Acrisure Stadium. I think that's a reflection on your brand, right? I think when you put some no-name fly-by-night, well, I shouldn't say that. They're obviously a successful company. They're a billion-dollar company. But a no-name company based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, that's a sad day. That's a very sad day. It's a sad day for the Steelers. It's a sad day for the city. It's a sad day for local business owners that we couldn't get an 84 lumber. We couldn't get a First National Bank. We couldn't get, um, you know, an American Eagle. We couldn't get, you know, these companies that are known to be Pittsburgh companies that are national companies. I thought 84 lumber would have been a natural. That didn't work out. Uh, Obviously, wasn't privy to any conversations, but. If they were in the ballpark and Art Rooney decided to go with this other company over an 84 lumber, for example, I, like I said, I have no idea. Shame on everybody and shame on the local politicians. Um, you can't let a Grand Rapids based company take the naming rights for your famed local franchise. It just doesn't work. Um, and as I said, I it was the head of sponsorships at PNC. 95% of the time, when you do a naming rights deal, it's a local company. I mean, and I did them for all across the country, and that's what it is. I think the game has changed. Uh, it, it's completely different now. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about getting the highest bidder. That's what it seems to well, be here, about. I, I understand that. But let's put that in perspective for a second. Think about how many hundreds of millions of dollars the Steelers are getting from their TV contract. Amazon's just throwing money to these NFL teams left and right now. ESPN, throwing money at them. And for $10 million, thereabouts a year, you're going to go in this direction? I'd be Put, cur- think about that for a second. Well, I'd be curious to know. That makes that much of a difference well, to your bottom line? We grew up in an era where no stadium was named after a naming company, right? Riverfront right. Stadium, Three Rivers Stadium, I Lambo. Mean, yeah, Veterans Stadium. Right. Lambo Field. I mean, that I, I would have preferred. And if he had an I'll refrain from what I was going to say. I would have preferred if it got to the point where he knew he wasn't going to get top dollar. Which that's a whole nother story. Steelers are supposedly a national franchise. I don't know if that's so true anymore. Name it after your grandfather or your dad. Well, there's no money in that. 
Ten million. I, hey, listen, I don't know what he's That's doing a, with the I money. Mean, come on. I mean, if we look, if, if we went around the room here and started talking about stadiums or, uh, across the country, baseball, well, football, it's not, I know most I, of them because what I was doing, what you were doing, I, I couldn't tell you what they were named. I got to be honest. If they want, I mean, if Club Erotica would have given them the highest bid, it could have been Club Erotica Stadium. I could give a shit less. I mean, I know you're Yenzers, in the minority. I know Yinzers have this Pittsburgh thing about them. I mean, it's not even a pit. See, that's where it's not even a. It's not about the injury of Pittsburgh. It's just that I think this put a lot of things in perspective. Um, I don't think the Steelers have the brand that everybody in Pittsburgh thinks they do. The Steeler Nation. Well, then you have a bar in the city. Big freaking deal. If they had a national brand. They would have been able to land a national brand on their ballpark. It's not like Dallas with what AT and T State. Well, AT and T, that's their headquarters. Exactly. I mean, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know, Tom. What is, what's your take on it? To me, I, I could. I mean, I could take it or leave it. I, I seen it, and then you called me all upset. I didn't know. I was like, "What are you upset about?" I, I don't know if it's I'm a upset thing. on many, on many levels at local companies, at the Steelers, at, at the local okay. politicians. Okay, fair enough. All. I mean. Honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't care less. I mean, I, I, it's going to be called Heinz Field. Most people are going to call it Heinz we Field. We said that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the, miscon- the part of what bogs me is is that everybody acts like we're leaving. You know, Heinz is this great Pittsburgh institution. It's not. It's didn't not you even made to, here anymore. Didn't you used to work for them? I, I didn't work for them, but when they split the company to Del Monte, I didn't even realize they don't make the ketchup here right. anymore. Yeah, they Heinz has, they make baby food and soup there. Heinz has twenty employees, I think, in the city of Pittsburgh. So Heinz isn't some Pittsburgh iconic company anymore either. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to have a Pittsburgh name on it, but uh, you know, 150 million dollars, which you say 10 million dollars a year, but 150 million is still 150 million. I mean, uh, for 150 bucks, you could probably name my store if you wanted to. I mean, money's money. You know, you're talking about free money for calling it something. I mean, I don't know. I, I yeah, it would be nice if it was luck, but I mean, everybody's known. That these naming rights were coming up, and if there was a Pittsburgh institution that wanted to jump on board, they had more than ample opportunity to do it. I think, much like Star Lake was always called Star Lake, I think Heinz Field will always be Heinz Field. I think PNC Park will always be PNC Park. And you know, if somebody wants to come in and call it whatever the hell it's going to be called, uh, this is what you're going to hear next year. Hello, friends. Welcome to Acrashore Stadium here in Pittsburgh, PA. Yeah, I mean. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, I know. Doesn't need to. But most of the time when they say that stuff, you know, Yinzers are still on their way back from hopefully my beer distributor buying beer or or setting up or or in line. Yeah, once they're in the stadium, they're hammered anyway. They're trying to get in the Heinz field anyway So for kickoff. So it's a big deal because it's July and there's nothing else going on. I think it'll be forgotten quickly. I really do. I don't know. I... I, (laughs) Like I said, I, I'm probably a little too close to it, given what I used to do, and knowing what's involved and who was involved and who they talked to. And, and also, you like that Brady in your crosshairs too, which I, you know, you don't you don't like. Arthur, I think Arthur I Arthur think Sanders. he's done so many horrible things, and just add this to the list. So, but I mean, it's impossible to know. I mean, Hines said they were nowhere near that 150 million dollar mark. You know, if if eighty four, well, I know that for a fact. I mean, Heinz wasn't in it to begin right. with. They they told the Steelers early on, "We're out." If eighty four lumber or somebody like that was to offer one hundred and forty million, and Acrisure offered one hundred and fifty, and he took that, that I could see the complaint. But if it doesn't sound like everything that I've read that anybody was even close to this number, I mean, you're still you're running the business, you know, and you, you got to. No, I get it. Here. I mean, you and I run a bit. I understand that. Um, and it sounds but, like they're still gonna. Heinz may even have a small piece in this. They might keep the ketchup bottles up there. It might still I be think Art just said that to save face. The field, red zone. They knew what the blowback was going to be. They knew it. And I think that's just something he said to, to appease the fans. Um, because, I mean, that's part of the stadium for sure. It is disappointing, though. Isn't Dick's headquartered here, too? But that's not their strategy. Dick's is all about their guerrilla marketing local. I know, Dicks but is still, all local, local. But, I, I, mean, I didn't. I never. I, I knew it wasn't going to be Dicks because that's not their. There's a lot of companies. Highmark. Yeah, there's a lot of companies whose corporations are here. Right. So Highmark has their name. I mean, I know that because they bought the company in Buffalo, but where the bills, that's Highmark State. No, that should be here. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just another example of how our city continues to falter assuming, and, sh- and shrink and not be what it once was. Assuming that nobody was close, I'm more disappointed that there wasn't a. 
Pittsburgh-based company that stepped up to take it, as I would be that the Rooney's accepted the highest bidder, right. who sounded like was clearly the highest bidder. So, Yeah, I mean, look, we weren't in negotiations. We'll never know. But anyway. Um, all right. So speaking of PNC Park, let's move down Federal Street and talk about the Pirates. Four-game winning streak, first one since uh, 2019. They're certainly they're playing good baseball. Bottom line, last night, Tuesday night, they got great relief pitching. That's all it was. The whole game was yeah. relief pitchers. They get the job done. They're getting some timely hitting from no name, not no name, but you know the, the bottom of their lineup. Mariznick has been huge in Florida. Um, Vogelbach continues to hit the ball. Um, I feel bad that we were calling him a softball player for a while yeah, there. Yeah, I mean the uh, dude hits. There's no the dude can stroke and he. I, I have no shame in that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he looks he like so. Yeah, looks. I mean, you know, there's an obviously Nutting only had one jersey left, so they gave him the one that <laughs> yeah, they had left. Yeah, two jerseys. Yeah, two jerseys. <laughs> that was two mean, jerseys. The quadruple X that they ordered somewhere along the line. Bag, you can um, wear something a little less, a little baggier. I, I'm not uh, sure. I think that's the that's biggest probably they the make. Big, yeah. I mean, that's as, that's as big as they get. No, but I mean, listen, they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. They're getting great pitching. Their starting pitching continues to deliver and, and get the job done. Quintana, you know. Keller listen, was great the other night. Keller was fantastic. Seven innings. That slider night, was yeah, wicked. Yeah, he was fantastic the other night. Uh, Quintana's been Treading water, he's having trouble getting right. through the line yeah. the third time, um, especially right-handed heavy lineups. But he did the job against the Yankees lineup. Yeah. Now, the right. other night, he didn't do so well against the Brewers. He got pulled in the fifth inning. And Tommy mentioned this a bunch of podcasts ago, and I I, I was really against it, bringing the veterans mm-hmm. back. But I'm actually glad that Ben Gamble's back, that Marisnik's Rick, back, yep. that Kevin Newman's yep. back. Now we can showcase them to possibly move them at the deadline. And then the younger guys that went back to the minors can come up and finish the season here. And then we're, we're starting to piece a team that's heading towards the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get closer next year, but I think we're heading in that direction. The bullpen's a little muddled, um, and they need, obviously, more starting mm-hmm. pitching. But we're, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. Again, you know, we're in the middle of uh, – you know, the doldrums, so there's nothing much else to watch, so it's given me a chance to watch these guys and stuff. And, uh, yeah, like you said, with the Marisnicks and things like that, people get upset, but you have to you have to look at what's actually going. I mean, again, I don't and know how, Michael, you're not. I wouldn't trade him. I don't know how. That's a well, piece I, that you keep. I would, yeah. No, I would trade him. Well, I, I, I think but, as a fourth outfielder, yeah. and he can play – plus defense at all three positions. Now he can't he can't hit water no, if he fell out of but, a boat, but yeah, I mean uh the, the but the thing that the, the reason that I like Mariznick coming back and I like Newman coming back is is even Gamble. the the kids were overmatched. Yeah. And they were, And there were too many of them. There were too many of them and they were all left handed. And for whatever <laughs> reason the National League has all left handed yeah, starters this year. I, it's it's unca- they're they're playing the Marlins. Right. Three or four of them were left handed. Um, you can't just send up these guys to just fail. And um, what I what I would like to see going forward, especially, is I think there are some clear splits going on. Uh, guys that can hit left hand pitching, guys that can't. Um, you know, I mean, you got tonight. You know, you got Vogelbach hitting second and Van Meter hitting first. I mean, Jesus Christ, my head almost exploded when I read that, but. I mean, the, at least we're getting to the point where the lineups are starting to get a little bit more balanced. You have some right-handed options. I mean, they're playing Castillo in right field because he's right-handed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't just keep running lefties, lefties against lefties all the time. I mean, it's it's guys like Vogelbach are getting exposed against. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's you know well, he's hitting 100 against lefties, but against righties he's mashing mm-hmm. the ball and he's doing a pretty good job. Same with Chavis. Chavis is yeah, is mashing are, the yeah, ball against are, the lefties, yeah. but the righties he's terrible. And you're left with some of these options. You just you're leaving guys too exposed. So the veterans, I think, of how balanced things out and bring a little mm-hmm. calmness to everything. And hopefully, you know, Newman's come up and hit the ball. Marisnik's came back and hit the ball. Gamble's really well. been good. Mm-hmm. Gamble's been good. Now is your chance. If these guys get hot for six weeks, maybe flip them for something that you didn't think you were necessarily be able to flip them for, and then let the kids finish out the year and, and go from there. And I believe the uh, trade deadline's August eighth. Yes, they they moved. Yeah, we're coming down the home yeah. stretch here. It used to be sure. July thirty yeah. first. Right. Yeah, it was always the direct the, 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 July thirty first. July thirty yeah. first was the MLB deadline. July first was the first right. day in NHL. So, yeah, COVID is COVID still screwed everything up, messing all these dates up. But uh, but yeah, we're getting there. So yeah, I mean they're 
you know, I, again, I, I'm still not a fan of Shelton and, or whoever's writing these lineups and the things that they do, but the players themselves, I think, they, they haven't quit. You can see them. No, there. and that's one thing you got to love about this they're team, put, the players. Yeah. Forget about Nutty. I'm sick of hearing about this. Oh, uh, yeah. Forget. Uh, yeah. Let's look at the players. These guys never quit, ever. No. They're in every game. You know, I mean, that's I'm watching till the end of the game. Uh, they give it everything they have. And as former ball players ourselves, the little things, like they run out every ground ball. Yeah, they do. Swinsky almost beat out a routine grounder to the shortstop on Monday night. I mean, and, and that, you got to love that. And Swinsky's in a, in a bad slump he right is, now. But you got to yeah. keep playing. Just but he, run him but out he's there. still. But no. But my point is that he's still hustling. Mm-hmm. He, is, yeah. he hasn't That's quit. A great he's not point. putting yeah. his head down and right. saying, "Oh, what was me?" MLB. You know, a lot of players, veteran players especially, if they were zero for twenty something and they hit a two hopper to somebody, right. you know, they're just going to they're going to lollygag it down the line, down yeah. first base. So yeah, you can see that these guys. Get it? They're trying, and uh, I'm I'm happy. And, I, and to your to your to counter a point you said with the bullpen being a mess, it is a little bit. But you can see that there are yeah. there are some pieces back there that you know De Los Santos has has impressed mm-hmm. me back there. How about so they uh, picked up Tyler? Beattie. I was just Tyler about Beattie, to say yeah. Tyler Beatty. Yeah, I was watching him last night, and I, he threw a pitch 98 miles an hour, and I went, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> now the problem yeah. with him, it. He can't throw enough strikes. That mm-hmm. that's always been his problem. That was his problem in San Francisco. He still has 16 walks in 34 innings. That's that's yeah, he's not like good. me when I used to be a pitcher. I yeah, could throw, never, I could throw as hard. I could throw harder than anybody else. That's why they made me pitch. But when I threw the ball, anybody in the was park going, had as good right. chances. I didn't know where that ball was going to wind up. So, but yeah, I mean, Beatty's back there. The, uh, Chase DeYoung's come up and he's found a he little found bit a of niche yeah, back there. A little bit of a niche. Um, Dylan Peters is back, Dylan which will Peters, be helpful. And he's healthy. Yep. He just solidified that mm-hmm. things like that a little bit. So here's a question for you both. And, I, and I've seen a, a bunch of different thoughts on this uh, both ways. Bednar, all-star season. He's 27 years old. Do you dish him? You're, his value is never going to be higher. Do you dish him now to a contender? And get more assets back in return for him, or do you or hold on to him? I'll start this uh, question. Listen, I, I I don't know if when remember when they traded Mark Melanson. Mm-hmm. What relief pitchers are what they are. What they are is starters that couldn't start. start right. I, it not, doesn't mean they're not good pitchers, but you can find relief pitching almost anywhere. And every time we seem to trade one of these mm-hmm. guys, we get another a guy piece. steps in. Another guy seems to always step mm-hmm. up. They've always had a knack for finding relief pitching. This year, like I said, it's been a little disjointed, but as Tommy alluded to, it's starting to solidify a little bit. They got rid of Heath Hembury, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Bonda. Oh. They got rid of him. And now you're seeing Beatty here and mm-hmm. Chase DeJong. And I, it, it, so, it, like I said, you can find relief pitching. Guys that didn't make it as starters can, can find mm-hmm. a role in the bullpen. Will Crow's Will been Crow. a, a great right. example a nice of that. Niche. Yeah. Find a nice niche in, in the bullpen. Um, the one guy that's been a disappointment this year has been Chris Stratton, yeah. who had a really good year last last year for us, and I thought he'd be the setup man. Well, now they moved him out of that, and mm-hmm. Dwayne Underwood's right. taken that over, and that was a, he was an afterthought. Mm-hmm. So relief pitching, you know how I feel about yeah. it. And oh, I, I, if they trade Bednar, I can't wait to see the oh, Twitter. Yeah. Oh, Twitter's going to local up. kid, local yeah, all star. Yeah, they're, they're doing it again. At, at the end of the day, and I haven't used that that right, term in right, a long right. time. He's only thrown thirty innings this year. 30 innings. Right. Now, you need a closer when you have the lead. This team doesn't have the lead enough to have a closer. So, if you can move them for a good piece, hell yeah. Which I think they're going to be – they could this year, for sure. Well, I hate to be a yinzer in this situation, but I feel like I'm going to be – I wouldn't trade him and it, because, A, I think he brings – Something to this team that uh, he's got an attitude he that an I, edge. Yeah. he's got an edge. He's got a you know that he got caught on the live mic when against when he when he right. shut down right. the yeah. Cubs, yeah. walking off going f them f them right. f them as he's high high five and everybody. He's a Pittsburgh kid, um, and, and he's got a little bit of a story and a team that desperately needs some stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm looking at it from the GM perspective, he's a Pittsburgh kid. He comes out to renegade. <laughs> He gets an Iron City ICLA 30-pack for making the All-Star team. You know. Hey, did they get that off of you, by the way? No, I wish no. they would have. Um, but asset management-wise, is it the right thing to do? Probably. Um, but this team needs to think about re-engaging with this city. 
Um, and he's the kind of guy that you can put out in front of the fan base. And that the no, he's definitely a face will, of a team. There's no question. Well, he can know, be. Yeah. And he's also good at what he does. Yeah. Um, right right now, we know yeah. the vol- volatility of yes. that position. It, one year the guy's good, one that year was the guy's my point. not good. You're not going to get thing. higher value. You're not going to get higher value. And if, if they get the right deal, it's got to be the right deal. And if somebody offers you something that's close, they're on the right. cusp of you know winning the whole thing, like a Toronto – um, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. would move them. And but see, the point is, if you're gonna, if the window, quote unquote, is in the next four or five years, where they think that they're going to be contending and doing something, Bednar's not going to be a free agent. Yeah, but for how, another five years, how many year, uh, how many years are yeah, closers true. that not long? Effective anymore. I mean, there's yeah. very few of them. Mariana Rivera's. I mean, they're, it's not like the guys we grew up, Lee Smith and all those guys. They were around, right? They, they were around forever. These they, these closers, they're good for a couple of years, and then you're like, what happened to that right, guy? Right. I mean, look at Clay Holmes. He come out of nowhere. I mean, literally no. Now he got shelled last night, but <laughs> he came out of nowhere. I mean, he was the, he was a. Yep. We, we got it. I mean, we traded him, and I was like, I can't believe somebody took this guy. But but I will say this: the guys who have stuck around, the Kenley Jansons of the of the world, the. Uh, the Mark Melanson, Melanson guys, things like that, have been have had a very distinctive uh, uh, pitching set. Uh, like you know, Mike Williams, the pitcher from ten years ago, fifteen mm-hmm. years ago, he had that herky jerky slider and stuff. And he was good for a year or two, and then it, you know, then he sort of fanned out and stuff like that. I mean, Bednar throws gas, and then he's got a couple other. He got a good curveball. Yeah. He's yeah. got the repertoire. He's that one of I the don't few. Think yeah. He's a flash in the pan. Now his arm may fall off. Because every time we get a save, he has to come in like he's, you know, Elroy Face in the 19-whatever, 70-World Series, 60-World Series. He's pitching 52 innings a game. Um, so that part of it's got me a little concerned about his health. But I, I think he's too – I think he's – if, if, yeah. if it was a year or two away, I would consider it from free right. agency. But this guy's got – this guy has the tendency to be the closer here for the next five or six years. But I think if you can flip him for a team – one, you know – Send them to St. Louis. I'm just sending for it. for a top one of St. Louis's top ten prospects, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. No, that, that, that's what you're because contenders. If they think that's the last piece, they get to stop. You know, a back of the bullpen guy. They're going to give up a little something. I'd go for it, and that's why. And we'll transition. That's why it also dish Reynolds, right? I, I think you're seeing that they have pieces in the minor league system. They're going to be able to play at the major league level. Your value for Brian Reynolds is never going to be higher. I would trade him in a heartbeat. If if Charrington can get the right package of prospects, I would tr- dish that guy in a second. Well, the difference with that is is that I, I, I'm I, I watch Reynolds and Reynolds doesn't pass the eye test for me as being. Uh, I mean, he's hurt now, but an untouchable it, superstar. No, he's not, a, no, he's not and, the level. That kind no, of stuff. No. no, he's not on that level. No, not. I mean, Reynolds is a is a nice player that does a lot of things pretty well. He's got some power. He plays a good center field. He has a he has a pretty good arm. Um, he has some pretty good baseball instincts and things like. He does everything right well. above average. Yeah, yeah. He's in that. He's in that. You know, range. But you know, he's Andy Van Slyke. He's not Barry Bonds. You know, that's the way right. I kind of. That's the difference between the two that I would look at it for. You see, he's not untouchable. He shouldn't. No, be. no. And with the glut of outfielders that are behind him, none of them have proven to me to be. Necessarily on Reynolds' par yet, but you're going to have to give. Yeah, got I mean, a lot. Well, we, we never thought Reynolds, of, right? Yeah, you got a lot of young guys coming. If Marte didn't run into whoever right. and, and crack his rib, <laughs> we would have never seen Reynolds. Yeah. So yeah. you don't know. I mean, right. you got to yeah. give a guy a chance. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting. We have a few weeks left coming down the stretch well, here. The All Star break. Right? I mean, that oblique strain is going to put him on right. until yeah. mid October, mid August at least, in my opinion. Oblique strains can be real, real tricky. Yep. Especially um, for yeah. swinging, swinging the bat. Yeah, that may I, have killed the chances. Yeah, of trading I don't think him. he's going anywhere this year. So. All right, so Tom, you mentioned Michael about arms, and you never know from year to year if someone's going to need Tommy John. That's certainly the case this year. When you look at the Major League Baseball draft, which is coming up this Sunday, 7 o'clock, uh, we had to do a little research to figure out that time, but 7 o'clock, uh, Major League Baseball draft. For the first time since I forget when, you may not have a pick, pitcher taken in the top 10. Nor and it's because of all the injuries. I, I looked at the list. 
The top left-handed pitcher, Tommy John surgery. Top college pitcher, Tommy John surgery. This kid, Tommy John surgery. It's insane. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 becoming a, a, a it's an a, epidemic epidemic in baseball. And like I said, that starts with youth baseball. I mean, I I dealt with it firsthand yes. watching my son go through it. He played at Central Catholic. Two guys that he played with were overused. They were not only overused at Central; they were overused in the summer. They were pitching four days a week. I mean, you can't you know, do that to, to win a tournament for you know a right. coach that you know he's living vicariously <laughs> through his players right. trying to win that trophy that nobody's for, ever yeah, going to remember. What's mean? Yeah. So yeah, you're you're starting to see that, and that's why if you look at the top ten players available in the MLB draft coming yeah. up, they're all, yeah, they're position, all position players. players, and that's where we're at right now. That's why you got to get pitching when you can get it, and so this draft is going to be interesting this year. Um, Mark, you know I've done my homework on this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been an, it, it's been a fun year. A lot of sons of former players. Yeah, you got Drew Jones at the top of the uh, of the draft board. Um, tons of potential. Um, that Andrew Jones' son. He's a what Georgia high school outfielder. Yep. Um, obviously, just like his old man, mm-hmm. a plus plus defender with a plus arm. The hit a little fringy on the hit, but he's young. And mm-hmm. he's a little wiry, and he's got a little bit above average power. He's probably going to go one or two, depending on – now, Baltimore might pull something weird. Um, well, the Pirates provided a blueprint for teams last year. It's going to be interesting to see how many teams follow that blueprint, where you you I, draft a guy in the first round, and you pay him a little less money, and you save that money and, for and the that, back end of the draft. That's kind of making me cringe because the guy, you know, I'm in love with is Tamar Johnson. And like I said, I've watched video a sweet on this swing. kid. And I was thinking, you know, I love comps. And I was thinking, man, his swing looks familiar. Well, it reminds me of Robinson Cano's swing. Now, obviously, he's shorter than Cano. But the swing, if you put them side by side, you're like, holy crap. I mean, this this kid can swing the bat. Mm -hmm. They say he might be the best high school bat in the last 20 years. Now, obviously, he doesn't play a premium position. He plays second base, right? Below average defender, below average runner. But the hit tools off the charts. And he already has above average power for somebody that's 5'10", 180 pounds. Now, I'm worried Baltimore is going to take him at one mm-hmm. for under slot value, right? Yep. And then because they took outfielders the last right. two years, so yep. it makes me it makes me cringe that they're not going to take Drew Jones. Maybe they take Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's son, a high school kid out of Oklahoma. Um, I don't think Holiday can stay at shortstop. Um, fringy speed and the power is a little fringy. And you got Elijah Green, Eric Green, the, the uh, former tight end, former Steelers, tight end of the Steelers. His son is a behemoth. I yeah, mean, he's 18 years old, he's 6'3", almost 230 pounds. Um, he runs like a deer, but he can't hit yet. And I always worry about those high school guys mm-hmm. that have a lot of swing and miss at the high school level. Right. When you get into professional ball, it, it jumps astronomically how much the mm-hmm. pitching is better. But for me, it's Tamar Johnson. And if it's not Johnson – and I know everybody, anybody that's listening to this, they're going to, he's full of shit. You take the catcher from Georgia Tech, Kevin Parada. Mm-hmm. They say he might not stick a catcher, but he has enough power and enough hit tool. I mean, he hit 360 last year with 26, 26 home yeah. runs. Now, I know the ACC isn't the SEC or the Pac 12. It's still I know a good ball. What, it's still very, very good yeah. ball, and it's still a power conference. Um, I take Parada for if Tamar Johnson's not there. And the guy that worries me that I think they're going to take is Brooks Lee, the, the shortstop from Cal Poly. Um, he reminds me of a light-hitting Corey Seager. Mm. And that worries That's, me a yeah. little bit. And I don't think he can stick at shortstop either. So, No, and it's just, I've been reading lately, uh, these last few days, that the Pirates may go after the left-handed pitcher, the top lefty pitcher that's still left that is not under the knife. Um at four, I, I I don't see that happening. Well, I, I think we've learned anything. Daniel Moscos. Yeah, no, I, I think what we've seen thus far in the draft from Charrington is you're not going to see any. Take of that the stuff. best available player exactly. that's there, right? And, you know, and even Cam Collier, Lou Collier's right. son is he played JUCO ball at 17 years old, yeah. and he actually got to play in the Cape Cod I, League this summer, and he hit fantastic in the Cape. Right. He's playing 17 years old, playing with 20, 21 right. year old guys. I mean, that's a big difference. Yeah, he's you like John. I like Johnson too. Don't get me wrong. But as I've watched more, I've gone onto YouTube and, and, and watched as much as I could of these top five guys. I like him a lot, Collier. He's grown this, on me. This kid is mature beyond his years. He's slick. He's got a nice bat. Strong he's arm at strong third. Arm they say third. He can yep. stick at third. And yep. in worst case scenario, he moves to first base. Right. But if the power comes, he's only 17 right. years old. 
If the power That's, comes with the right. hit tool, he has the second best hit tool behind Johnson. Right. If the power ticks up, then you could move him to first base with no yeah. problem. I like if they take Collier or Johnson, Parada to Michael can turn me on Parada. I was you know one of those that had the answer. Why would they take another catcher in the first round? Michael's absolutely right. You can never have enough catchers in your system. You can always move them around. You can always trade somebody. Um, I really like this kid. I watched some video of him. Um, he's a ball. Yeah, he's, he can hit. He's he a, can really, really hit. Defensively, like you said, so, but who cares? Fringe. Move him around. Yeah, uh, And that happens all the around. time. Craig Biggio went second base, Hall of Fame career at second base. Yeah. I mean, it happens. If you can hit, so, they'll find a spot. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's Sunday at 7. We'll obviously uh, talk about the draft in next week's podcast, where the Pirates went, what they decided to do. Michael, you were telling me before the podcast, they have uh, The many? Pirates have the fourth pick. They have the 36th pick in the draft, which is a competitive balance pick. And then they have the 44th pick. So they'll have three picks on day one. So I think they're doing the first two rounds on Sunday night. And then the, the rest is all right. on the internet after that. Yeah. And good luck to the local kid, Cole Young, North Allegheny. He's going to be another first round pick. They're saying by all mocks, you're seeing 15 to 25 yeah. in that range. Um, Padres so, like him a lot. Yeah. So good luck to him. Hopefully we'll see an, another Western Pennsylvania kid drafted in the first round of baseball. It's awesome. Go from Logan Cooley in hockey. Cool young in baseball. It's fantastic. All right, now it's time for our fact and fiction. Uh, something I always love every week. Things can get a little heated, a little interesting during this segment. As long as you won't bring up Neil Walker compared to, right, to yeah. Brian Hayes, I won't flip my lead. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Who knows what I'll bring up this week? Um, Tommy, we'll lead off this one with you. A couple hockey questions. We're going to cheat a little bit this week. First, the Penguins' first-round pick, we need a chance to Owen Pickering, a big, tall defenseman uh, out of the OHL. Owen Pickering will play for the Penguins before the end of this Crosby-Malkin-Latang era. Um, I'll say fact to that. Um, I, Crosby and Latang have both gone on the record saying that they want to play another six years. Um, it's nice they say that. Let's see if it actually happens. I, I think it's a three-year window. I think, I think well, it's three years. Well, I'm not talking window about being competitive, but I, I think that Latang is a workout freak. At 35 years old, he's in better shape and, and more physically conditioned than probably people 20 and 25 years old in this league. Um, I don't think there's any doubt as long as something serious doesn't happen to him, he's going to finish. He'll play another six years. And the same with Crosby. He's a, he's a junkie. You know, in, in, in four or five years, he may be a second or third line center, not the first line center that we know. But I think both of them in six years will still be playing for the Penguins, and I think Pickering will be here by then, assuming he hasn't been traded to somebody else. Um, so yeah, I, I think he'll be. I think he'll play with the Penguins. So I'll say fact on that. I'm going to say fiction, um, and I hope I'm proven wrong on this. Um, but I think the Penguins have three years. I think that's all they have. Um, if that, to be quite honest. And I think after three years, you're going to start seeing this dismantling of this team. And I don't think Pickering's up in three years. So I'm going to say fiction. I'm going to say I'm going to, I'm with Tommy. I'm going to say fact. I, I think he'll be here. I, you know, I know they don't play young guys and people they, they kind of shy away from the younger players, but they have no depth with the youth in this organization. So I think at some point in the next three years, I think he'll but they be have 77 defensemen now. But well. Yeah. You know, you draft a guy in the first round, you're hoping right. he makes some kind of impact at some point. And I say within three years, I, I think he'll be here. I say fact. Okay. Uh, uh, Tommy, fact or fiction, Ottawa's the most improved team thus far this offseason? Uh, I would say uh, fiction. Uh, I would have said fact if we would have done this when the podcast started. Um, but as I'm looking through, trying to stay up to date on as we're, as we're doing this, you know, this is the first day of free agency. Um, Carolina just traded for Max Pacioretty from Vegas. Um, Max Pacioretty is a point of game, a legitimate goal scorer uh, to go along with Brett Burns, who they traded for today from San Jose. Um, those are bigger names today than they were than than, than necessarily the talent. They're both, uh, especially Pacioretty, have had injury issues. But if starting a playoffs next year, if both of them are healthy and in their lineup ready to go. Those are two pretty big acquisitions for a team that was already pretty right. good. Um, they obviously lost some pieces today. Um, but I was going to say either Ottawa, which has signed Claude Giroux. Mm -hmm. They traded for a disgruntled Cam Talbot from Minnesota because of the flurry signing. The Brinkat. Uh, the Brinkat they, they, they got Alex for the a bag of pots, right. base. I mean, they got some draft picks, but, I mean, that's – 
for a for a proven forty goal scorer right. who's twenty four years old. Um, and they made some other depth signings today. They got rid of Matt Murray, which is a mm-hmm. which is that's a win, which is an addition by subtraction. Um, and but Detroit has also made some good signings today. They signed Cop from the from the Rangers who came over from Winnipeg. They signed Ben Sherratt, who was a guy who played for Montreal mm-hmm. last year, who I was interested in for the Penguins. They signed David Perron today uh, from St. Louis, who led them in points in the playoffs. Um, they've made some nice. You know, Iserman is building something there mm-hmm. with the talent that they already have. Um, they've put some pieces together, and uh, I like what they're. I like what Detroit's doing too. So, but it's hard to pass up if if those two Carolina guys are healthy, and I would assume motivated. Um, and and Montreal or and Carolina got them for future considerations, Pacioretty. Mm-hmm. So it's the old flurry deal where they just have to get out from underneath the cap. So they literally gave up nothing to get them. Um, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. move for Carolina. Uh, so I'm going to say fiction. That it's not Ottawa. It's Carolina right now. But Ottawa's had a nice uh, had a nice day. Hey, I don't. I couldn't. I'm not going to even offer anything else. You you couldn't put it any better than what you just said. So I think we move on from there. Uh, Michael, we talked about the MLB draft. Uh, Kumar Rocker, who was drafted in the first round, 11th overall last year, I believe, by the yeah, Mets, Mets, didn't sign, failed his physical. Uh, and ended up having sh- uh, shoulder surgery in September. Has pitched in the independent league a little bit. The electricity's back. You saw we're, we're seeing a lot of what we saw at Vanderbilt and what why people thought he was going to be a top three pick in last year's draft. Yeah, quite honestly, yeah. and he slid a little Jack bit because I think yeah, him and Liger I think the injury him. news got out, and, and some teams knew about uh, the bum shoulder. Um, but he's back in this year's draft, and I've, I've seen him mocked where he's all over, all the, over place. the place. All over, literally so, all over the place. fact or fiction, Kumar Rocker will be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. We talked about the pitchers. All the top ones are out Jeez. with injuries. He's, uh, he's probably that, the last that's, remaining. That's the caveat. If he's healthy, that's the problem. Right. Um, if you were a GM in the top 10 and you took Kumar <clears throat> Rocker, you got balls bigger than Dillinger because yeah. that, that that is a ballsy move right there. <laughs> I'm going to say. I mean, that could be. It's the boomer bust. That's the it, definition of it right there. If you would have sold me that, told me this two months ago, I would have said fiction without even hesitation. I'm still going to say fiction, but I do have some trepidation mm-hmm. with it because there is no pitching in this draft, especially the top of the draft. I think it would be a reach. I would love to see him fall to 36. The right, Pirates yeah. in the competitive balance pick, right? He can't go back in the draft again. Right. This is his day. I mean, you either take it or leave it, pal. This is what it is. Um, I don't think he'll fall to 36. Um, I think he'll go in the 20s to a team that's already good, that he has no pressure on, mm-hmm. to go to the minors, build up his arm, and then be up in a couple of years. So I'll say fiction. Yeah, I'll say fiction as well. Um, I don't think he's going to go in the top 10. I think there's too much risk involved yep. with that. Um, but to your point, Michael, um, it is he fits into uh, a category that um, someone like the Pirates or somebody like that, you can sign Rocker, you could draft Rocker and basically say, here, this is what I'm going to offer you. And not necessarily lowball him to the point of being, you know, a jag off, but, you know, you could, if the slot says he should get $10 million, you might be able to offer him 7 and he has to take it because he can't go back in the draft. And then you use that money for down the road. Like so, they did last year. Yeah, right? so it might be for a team that wants to try to get somebody signed. And, and let's face it, Rocker was counting on being a top 10 pick and making mm-hmm. some money last year. That didn't work. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's doing all right for himself. But, he, you know, this guy's looking to make a payday. So I'm going to say fiction that he's in the top 10. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the top 20, 25 at the latest. Yeah. I agree with you. It would be Phenomenal if he fell to the Pirates and let you know you're taking a lottery you're taking yeah. you're taking a lottery ticket there if he's going to stay healthy mm-hmm. but I mean Jesus that would be fantastic but no I'm not I'm going to say fiction not top ten I'm fiction as well for all the reasons you talked about so no reason for me to expound upon them in any way we didn't talk about any, there no NBA talk this week uh, we could have we could have gone on for 10, 15 minutes about every all the offseason stuff thus far uh, the biggest trade though this offseason is probably Rudy Gobert from Utah to Minnesota. Uh, so, fact or fiction, Donovan Mitchell will be traded by the time the season tips off next year. I say it's fact. Um, they're going to find a, 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 a suitable partner. We know how yep. it works in the NBA. The player has to They'll get it. six first-round draft picks for him. And they'll, they'll, now they'll accumulate like 93 right. first-round picks after the Rudy Gobert deal. Um, 
I, I think it's fact. I, I think Donovan Mitchell moves on from Utah. They're rebuilding something. They they had Gobert. They had Mitchell. Yeah, and as and soon it, as Quinn Snyder decided to, to quit, I, 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 they, I, I they've think changed it, their whole— I, I think it got stale. I mean, yeah, Utah, okay. you're always like, yeah, they're the fourth seed, the fifth mm-hmm. seed, the fourth seed, the sixth seed. They, they You know, they maybe win a first-round playoff series, then they get bounced in the first round. They haven't made any improvements. Unlike the Penguins— they weren't going to beat their head against right. the wall. They were. They're going to blow it up and try something different. And they're building for the future. And they're not going to keep a guy making that kind of money that has star potential. He's a three-time All Star um, in the fold to play with a bunch of young guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's fact. I think at some point they'll find a suitable partner to trade with. It'll probably have to be a three-way deal because of the the salary cap ramifications. But I definitely think it's fact. Yeah, I agree. I think it's fact. It's it's pretty clear what Utah wants to do now. They've yeah. made it clear. I think they have Donovan a plan, Mitchell and that's where they're going sooner yeah. rather than later. I appreciate you looking at me for giving you an answer on that, but I mean, Donovan Mitchell could be outside pain right now, and I wouldn't know <laughs> who he was, so I have no idea who that is. So uh, I'll I'll defer to Michael's answer. Yeah, mine's right. right. Yeah. All right, time for our rants, gentlemen. Who wants to lead us off? Well, Tommy pushed the mic back to me, so All right, I'll, so, I'll okay. go first. Um, yeah, I got a positive rant this week. You know, nice. I, I, we always I, like that. Know, we, and I, you got, mm. I know because well, I don't have a positive. I, I, I know, so I'm, I'm going to try to uplift the listeners a little bit. Um, you know how I bash baseball a lot for the dumb things that they do. The All Star Game's coming up next week, and they're going to include Miguel Cabrera and mm-hmm. Albert Pujols in the game. Do they deserve to be there? No. But it, it's for the fans. That's what exhibition games are for. Mm-hmm. I also think that Clayton Kershaw should be a starting pitcher against Shohei Otani. The game's in L.A. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about, right? I, obviously, Sandy Alcantara is having the best pitching season of all pitchers in baseball, and he should start the game. <laughs> but he should defer to Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. But kudos to Major League Baseball for including these two. And then I found out today that Albert Pujols is going to be in the home run hitters contest. That's awesome. And I, I think it's all yeah. Even if he doesn't hit one, I want to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Because, I mean, 43 years He's old. He's a legend. And he might not even be 43. He might be 53. Nobody really knows where his birth certificate is. They, they, they've said that for years. Um, he does look like he's about 53. Yeah. But either way... You're going to watch him try to hit a couple right. home runs out and, and tip, his, tip his hat to the uh, fans. And I, I, I'm surprised baseball did it because they usually don't do these kind of things. They don't market the game right. And I think they got this one right, 100% right. I agree. Good call. Uh, I'm just going to, since it's NHL free agency day, I'm, I'm going to try to, again, talk to some of the hockey people out there or people that are, you All know. three of them. Yeah, well, um, the people that are still trying to figure out this game and stuff like that. So I've heard, you know, both sides of the NHL contracts with the uh, Penguins that, you know, they got they paid too much, they paid for too long, all this stuff. Well, I want to bring up two examples today of why when you think about what the Penguins did, maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. Erica Branson, who is a nice third yeah. pair, you know, mm-hmm. defenseman, he signed a deal today for four years, $16 million a year with Columbus. Uh, he's a, a 30-something-year-old guy. And Columbus wonders why they never can never do anything. never been anything of – I wouldn't even say he's necessarily been a top-four guy. He's making $4 million a year. The Penguins signed Jan Randa today to a contract. He's making $2.75 million. Um, the Pedersons and the Marinos, and even the Doom ones, are making four, a little mm-hmm. over $4 million. And this guy on free agency is getting $4 million a year for four years. On top of that, Robert Thomas, who's a guy who's he was young, he plays for St. Louis. He scored 20 goals last year. He's only 23 years old. He was he did have 50 some assists last year, but he scored 20 goals, the same amount um, that uh, uh, Raquel yeah. signed for them this, or played for this or signed or scored this year. Um, that's half as many as Gensel scored this year. He signed an eight-year, $64 million oh God, extension today. That would be $8 million a year. $2 million more than Gensel. $3.5 million more than Rust. $3 million a year more than Raquel. All of them scored at the same or more than what this guy did. So, again, take it for what it's worth. All contracts that the Penguins sign are not going to be good, but they certainly all aren't bad and look around and see what other teams are signing guys for. It's free agency. You're always going to pay a little too much for a little mm-hmm. too long when it gets to this point. 
And I think the Penguins have done a good job. So enjoy it today, Pittsburgh. Well, that's two positive rants. I'm going to change that real quick. Yeah, we know. LeBron James. This guy needs to shut his mouth. And I'm not normally one of those that says professional athletes need to keep quiet and just dribble or keep quiet and just play their sport. That's not who I am. But know what you're talking about. And for those of you that may not know what I'm talking about, LeBron came out yesterday and criticized the U.S. around this whole Brittany Griner deal with Russia. Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia since she was busted with marijuana oil as she was departing Russia to come back to the United States. Listen, she was stupid. I'm so There's no way around it. She was stupid. She's paying the piper. She's now a political pawn in the game that's being played between the United States and Russia. LeBron comes out and says, we haven't done enough. And if, she, if, she, if he were Brittany, he may not come back to America. He may go somewhere else. Dude, stop. You're a foreign relations expert now? This is a very complicated situation. Obviously, the U.S.-Russia uh, terms aren't the best right now with, with the war going on in Ukraine. And this is a very delicate situation. Suppose the United States has a, a Russian prisoner here. Um, there's a Marine in Russia that's been detained since 2018, I believe. So there's a lot more to this than Brittany Griner. And LeBron has to open his mouth and talk about something he knows nothing about. Yet again, LeBron is not Kareem. LeBron is not Muhammad Ali. But every chance he gets to open his mouth, when it comes to something, he opens it. Listen. Michael Jordan said it best. If I don't know anything about something, I'm not going to comment on it. And that those are great words to live by for everybody. I've had enough of LeBron. I don't know, Tommy, he may be playing the heel for all I... I mean, I woke up this morning. I, Mike, I was fired up last night. I woke up this morning. I'm like, is this all like... He's a great marker. He markets himself very well. Is he playing the heel? Purposefully? Because no. everything... I mean... I don't think he's, he's that, in, I don't think he's that smart. Okay. I just like I think he likes to see his name in headlines. I think he does too. And, the and problem, it's infuriating. And the problem is because of people like him and other people that I mean, listen, I feel bad for Brittany Grier. She's in Right. And we all do. In, I mean it's all, but I mean, when she you, put herself in that well, situation. When you cross into Russia, yeah. I would make sure that everything in my life was buttoned up. And I don't even, even think you're going to have a hairbrush in Russia. Yeah, I, mean, I would even call somebody that I might have bullied in fifth grade and apologize to them before I go into Russia just to make sure that right. I got all my stuff buttoned up. You carried whatever it was, hash oil, whatever yeah, that is right. in that country. It's, it's on yeah. you. But right. now, because of this, we're going to have to potentially give up legitimate people. Like what we're holding for dangerous Russia. people. Right. These people are dangerous. They've done things <coughs> to hurt right. the United States and other countries. And now we might have to trade one of them for an NBA, a WNBA player that did something stupid because people like LeBron and other people right. are crying that what a victim We're not she doing is. enough. Yeah, right. that's, you're, you're 100% right. And listen, 100%. I'm not a huge fan of Biden's. I, I mean, but this is a very delicate, complicated situation. He had no right to open his mouth, and he did it yet again. He needs to go. Anyway, and then on a, I'll end on a positive. Since you both were positive, I'll end on a positive note as well. I read a great book while on vacation. I had some time sitting on the front porch, pull out a book. It was a book that actually Tom Brady recommended. I, look, this guy does everything right. I figured, look, if he recommends a book, it may not be the worst thing to pick it up, sit down, and read it. So I did. It's called The Four Agreements. It's by Miguel Don Ruiz. Phenomenal book. I gave it to Michael earlier this week. I looked through it and there were no pictures, so I just put it back on. But It's an easy read. It's 120 pages. Tommy highly recommend it. Evidently, this is what Brady tries to live his life by. And if you can live your life by what it says in this book, you're going to be in a pretty good place. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for something to read, you're going to the beach, you're taking a little time off from work, you need a little respite, whatever, highly recommend the four agreements. Is Miguel the guy that told Tom Brady to eat avocado ice cream? No, that's his his nutritionist. Ah. Yeah, when you're Tom Brady, you have a whole litany of people uh, that that are on your payroll, and that's, that's another one. Yeah. But, no, it's a fascinating story. The guy was actually a surgeon. From Mexico, and it goes, if you read his story, it's pretty fascinating. And um, the old Mexican tribe leaders live by a certain set of rules, and um, that's what he brings to light, and that's what he's been studying now. And it's it's a good book. It's a good book. Will I be able to live by the four agreements? No, 
uh, I'm a realist. But if we all did, it'd be a completely different society that we live in. Well, this would be sent, if this would be back in our high school days, in this scenario would come, you would have read the book and told us what it was about. told us right. what it was about, or we and you would have went out and got the cliff notes for it. <laughs> right. Which would have been 10 pages since it's only 120 yeah, pages. Neither yeah. one of us would have read the book. Right. And then we would have asked Mark, hey, can you help us out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, into the yeah. class, even though we were never in class together because right. we were in remedial coloring while he was in AP, <laughs> honors, social studies, whatever. Well, I appreciate it. But no, I think it's, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. It's a quick read. Like it's 120. And, and it, he reiterates a lot of what he's talking about just to hammer home the, the key points. It makes it even easier to read. So highly recommend that. And that's how I'll end my rant for the Well, week. if I may, just one quick story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Stories are great. Yeah, humiliate we Humiliate me and Michael before we yeah. leave. While we were at Central, the uh, famous Mr. Cope was our – what class was that? Was that American Sith, History? Sith, Sith, Sith. Sith. Was it Civilization? Sith, yeah. yeah. Me and Michael were in a class, which we really weren't. All the years we were, nah. we were, we were in homeroom because our names were the same. Right. Actually, you might have been. We were in homeroom. No, I always miss you guys. Just missed. Um, but anyways, Michael and I were in a class together, and we were taking a test that neither one of us were probably fully prepared for, and and so we were kind of cheating off each other, trying to get some answers off each other. And Mr. Cope stopped everybody, made him turn around and look at us, and said, "Bradley and Andy Nisio, I want you to." You two can sit on each other's lap. You can sit next because to each other. neither of you know the answers. You can turn in one paper if you want for yeah. both of you. Neither one of you know the answers, so you can just do whatever you want. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to be sneaky. Just do whatever you want. No, he didn't rip them up or right. give no, us an no. F. He said, no, just keep going. Yeah. Neither of you know what's going on. Throw on a desk, yeah. rip yeah. them up, chase the side, yeah. anything like that. Nope. nope. That was more embarrassing. That was 10 times yeah. more embarrassing. Right. So, Mr. Cobb, if you're listening, thank you out there. We still think about that to this day. 30, That's 30 years ago. 32 years ago. God almighty. Yeah, I know we want to try to be younger, now. but it was 32 yeah. years ago. Crazy. Anyway, we're going to end on that. That's a great note to end on for this week. Thank you all for listening. As usual, keep the comments coming. Text us, comment, whatever you need to do. Keep it coming. Uh, and we'll be back at it next week uh, with more of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. But for now, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.